Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about the power and strength of community. When you think of community, what comes to your mind? Paul Calcote, young adult pastor and creator of the podcast, Real People, Real Talk, is joining us to explore the conversation of how being connected and engaged with community can help us create a thriving life. Thank you for being with us, Paul. We're so glad to have you. Before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Of course. And before I do, I just want to say thank you so much, Amy, for having me on here at Emerge Thriving, uh, Wellness Design for Real Life. So I'm super excited about this. And just to, to be honest with you, I have, when I go walking today, I'm already planning to listen to Unlearned Perfectionism because that's something that I struggle with. But so just want to get that out the way. But yes, my name is Paul Calcote. Like she said, I'm a young adult pastor. I created this podcast called Real People Real Talk as a way to continue to do ministry to help people to go from surviving to thriving. I've been married over two years, and I like to say that me and my wife, we are still honeymooning. I am an avid traveler, road trips I love, where you can listen to podcasts and music. And so really what sums me up is three things. Like my three goals in life is to love God to the fullest, love his people to the fullest, and enjoy life to the fullest. So that's me in a nutshell. That's wonderful. So just jumping into our conversation a little bit here, Speaking for myself, and this is partly because of my experience with trauma, I felt the need to be self-reliant, to live really independently, and to solve problems on my own in order to protect my sense of safety and security. That just has been this overarching feeling that I have had. But over time, though, I've learned that the people around us really make or break our quality of life. And when we have a strong and supportive community or network, it can radically change our lives for the better. And I'm so glad you're here with us, Paul, for many reasons. You're an awesome person. But then on top of that, you are also really passionate about helping people tap into the strength of a community, which is just so incredibly needed, especially now. As we're getting started here, I'm going to jump into some questions and we're going to get to know you and talk about community as we go. When we use that word community in our conversation, um, this is something Paul and I talked about beforehand. We're really talking about a, a personal community, kind of like a network of people that we're in connection and fellowship with in different ways, in different areas of our life. So having said that, what does having a healthy community look like for you, Paul, in your life? That is so important and key. Just looking at that word community, it's kind of like we see the definition there, common unity. We need people that we have com- some things in common with and we have a unity there. And just from my background, personal faith, God designed us to live in community because he lives in the community. He's three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so um, a healthy community is, is multifaceted. In other words, I have a healthy relationship with, with my wife, healthy relationship with my family. But then there's also church members. There's also friends. There's even different community and diversity among my friends. There's some friends where I can talk about life with. 
other friends. I talk about ministry, college ministry, young adult ministry. And then I have another friend that we just talk all things basketball. A healthy community is multifaceted. We need various people on our team, so to speak. I'm pretty sure you may get into this later, but as a pastor, I have a pastor. I have a therapist. And I just feel like we need a place to belong. We need relationships to belong to, a place where we can love and be loved, a place where we can be open and transparent and vulnerable without the fear of shame or being rejected. And to the listener, I want to let you know that you are the CEO of your life, of your relationship. And so sometimes you just need to remember that and hire and fire as you see fit. Because like you said, like the strength of our relationships can make or break our health relationally. And the last thing I would say to that is, please don't do life alone. Life is too short not to do it with others. Words from my soul. When I was in that earlier place, feeling like this is like, I, I don't know if I can trust people. And it's like a lot of traumatic experience. So this isn't necessarily what every single person feels or goes through. What you're saying here, it's just that that invitation into a healthy space, a place with people where you can trust, you can learn to, to grow as a person and that people have your best interests at heart. And what you're talking about there, letting people go or releasing people that are not bringing joy and safety and they don't have those, in, those positive intentions for you. Letting that go and creating boundaries is a whole other conversation, but a really important just radically changed my life. So I really appreciate you saying that. So for you, how has being connected to community impacted your life? It brings me so much joy, Amy. Like I am an extrovert. So having conversations with friends or church members or even new friends like yourself, the conversation we had last week, it just, and doing life with people, it just fills my bucket. Another way it has compacted impacting me is, as I alluded to earlier, like as a pastor, I have a pastor who's a counselor. And so I see him monthly. Although I'm a person of faith, I'm a person of science as well. Those two are not mutually exclusive. And so I believe like the saying, it wasn't original to me, but pray and go to counseling. Now, the same way that God blesses us with doctors and dentists to, to keep us healthy from a physical point of view, he also blesses us with counselors and life coaches and therapists to help us to stay healthy, mentally. And so I look forward to those sessions when I see him, um, a place where I can just open up and, and can vent. And really, it goes back to what I said earlier, how health is multifaceted, it's interconnected. So by having that relationship with him, it helps and impacts my marriage. So therefore, I don't have to, of course, I, I share and I'm transparent with my wife, but I don't have to dump everything from work on her and all the issues that come at work with being a pastor and shepherding people. And so I can let some of this steam off so you know, I don't just hit her with everything. And so I just believe that through community comes opportunities. Like I am a huge fan of networking and collaborating. I just feel like even as a fellow podcaster, I'm not in competition with anyone. I feel like there's enough success to go around. For example, you can listen to my podcast on Monday. You can listen to Amy's on Tuesday. So we're not competing, but we're collaborating. And that's a part of having healthy, healthy relationships and healthy friendships, healthy partnerships. Because I believe that we are better together. And there's, like I said, there's enough success and opportunities to go around. And I just, I like to operate from an abundance mentality as opposed to a mentality of, of scarceness where there's a lot to go around. So these, the healthy community I have with my friends and with my church has really 
impacted my life by bringing me joy. I love doing life with people. Just kind of to respond to something you said in response to the previous question that I answered was, I'm encouraging people to be in a, in relationships and to have that community, but also, you know, to, to keep it real with you, that can be risky. That can be scary. You can get your heart broken. You can get your trust betrayed. But even though those things are possible, it is still immensely worth um, being intentional and seeking community. So wholeheartedly. And I think as you grow as a person and you develop the communication skill sets or the ability to set boundaries or whatnot, then when you are in those situations, maybe don't feel safe or something's kind of, you know, transpiring, that as you're growing and and as you're learning that you have more of the skill sets to respond to that appropriately. Right. It's kind of a sign of a need for growth if you're in a situation you don't know what to do. You know, then that's when you tap into those people that you can trust and get some guidance and equip yourself to navigate through those challenging experiences. But you, you're right. We definitely don't want to just cut ourselves off. And that is kind of a, a trauma response sometimes to just feel so overwhelmed. But that's a sign that there's some growth and some healing that needs to take place. Not that we should completely cut ourselves off from everybody, even though that might be that instinctual response in the moment. I completely agree with everything you're saying that we're all unique and we have a unique message and voice. And when we look at other people sharing their message and voice and then say, well, that's a reason why I shouldn't speak up and share and give my gift out. That's like taking your gift, putting it in your back pocket and never letting it see the light of day. There's a reason why you are you and you've had the experiences that you have and you, you have deep meaning. You're not just within your relationships and your friendships, but also in a community. You have a lot to give and to bring and don't undersell that because somebody else is being engaged and speaking up. So I really like that you brought that up. This segues really well into mental health. That's one, actually one of the, the conversations that really brought us together was talking about mental health and then how this can impact people individually and how a community helps that. So speaking of mental health, how have meaningful, safe, and supportive connections that you've gained through your experience, how has that helped you on your mental health journey? Yeah, and, and before I answer that, like you said something that really sparked some conversation. I could speak as a fellow fellow podcaster. Um, depending on what article you read, there's over 750,000 podcasts out there. So Amy, you and I, we both could have looked at that number and said, well, there's already close to a million. They don't need me. But at the end of the day, it could be 10 million podcasts, but that doesn't mean that there's not space for Amy or space for Paul or insert your name. And so to the listener, I just, I just want to encourage you. Uh, the young kids call it now, like, shoot your shot. Like, do that thing that has been, like, stirring in your heart, that passion. And maybe it's to be a YouTuber, but you're like, well, there's already YouTubers out there, but they're not you. You have something unique and special that God has only given you to give to the world. So I just had to. To, I just had to say that because I just want to encourage the listener with that. Just to answer uh, the question at hand, man, in my mental health journey, I have a friend who is a social worker, and she really broadened my understanding of mental health. There's a stigma in mental health when it comes to church. Sometimes we can over-spiritualize it and not understand it and say, oftentimes we just got to be careful when people are hurting mentally that we don't just say, hey, just pull yourself up by the bootstrap and just feel better. Because if a person, and not to be too graphic, if a, if a person's in a car wreck and they lose their, their leg, we're not going to look at them and say, hey, just feel better. We're going to get them professional help, just like we need to get people professional help mentally. And so she really brought in my understanding of mental health and caused me to really take self-care 
more seriously and going to counseling more seriously and really helped me to break that stigma that there's no shame in going to counseling. You don't necessarily go to counseling because something is necessarily immensely wrong with you, but I go to counseling just to make sure that everything is quote unquote right with me. And so some things that I do for my mental health, I do this thing called Vent Joy. I do it with my wife and some of the college students that I mentor and minister to. And basically, I saw this on Instagram and say, what about just instead of venting about our complaints, let's vent about our joy. And so I would ask my wife, like, what are some things that brought you joy this week? And so we would talk about that. And for me, this week, it was walking and jogging in the park and listening to podcasts and listening to music. And then as it relates to mental health, I do check-ins with my wife and also with the students that I minister to and lead, where we just ask like three questions, like, how are you doing spiritually? You know, have you been connecting with the Lord? How are you doing physically? Have you been drinking water? Have you been getting sunlight? Have you been getting the rest that you need? How are you doing emotionally and mentally? Are you stressed out? Are you down? And especially in the church and really also not just in Christian culture, but Southern culture, that hospitality, we're so used to saying, and you know, speaking here from Texas and being from Mississippi, how are you doing? Oh, we're good. And just keep going. But sometimes we need to pause and just say, no, not just how you're doing, but how you're really doing and really have those honest and open conversations. Man, so yeah, conversation with, with my friend who's a social worker has really helped me out. For example, Fridays are my Sabbath. That's when I have a shorter to-do list. And for Sabbath, for those that's not, maybe not in the church world, it is a day of rest. Like God created everything in six days, but he rested on the seventh. And so I just want to respect that. And so I have more white space on my calendar on Fridays. I have a shorter to-do list on Fridays. I rest because contrary to this hustle and grind culture in Western civilization and on social media, rest is productive. And rest restores. It's literally the name restore. Rest restores. And so for me, that what's been good for my mental health this week, as I talk, already talked about jogging and walking, but also listening to music, FaceTiming my family members, my nieces and my nephew. Uh, they're just the cutest. One thing that I used to do is play basketball, but COVID. So now I just watch it. And so those connections with that friend, with my wife, has really helped me on my mental health journey and continue to help me because it, it is a journey. I don't get to this place and say, hey, it's in, at this point in time, all right, I don't need any more self-care or mental health. It is a daily journey. And so you really got to prioritize your mental health. That speaks to me on so many levels. I love what you said about venting joy. I've heard like a gratitude practice and stuff different phrases and ways of describing it. But venting joy feels spontaneous to me and it feels like something that you could do as a habit. Like if you get into a habit like that with a partner or someone that you are in regular community with or just with yourself, Mm -hmm. just spontaneously thinking about like the good and sharing, expressing, sharing that joy that it's not just something that kind of stays within your mind, but it, it like kind of spreads. I really like that a lot. I think that's so brilliant. And I really appreciate that you are sharing and pointing out the fact that people in later generations and in my family have needed therapy, but not gone because of those religious concerns. And then also just societal, you know, there's they grew up in a time where that's just not acceptable. You're admitting defeat or weakness if you have to seek someone like something is dire. So for so speaking for myself, it took me getting to a place where I didn't know what else to do to go to a counselor before I realized, wow, I should, I should have been seeing a counselor a lot sooner because they can help you see the areas and 
the opportunities in which you have to grow and heal. And it's a safe space. You know, when you're connected with someone that you do trust and you do connect with, it's a safe space, a place for you to speak freely. And like you said, it's not putting the burden on your your friendships or your relationships to unload on them. And they may not know what to tell you. They may not have, you know, be equipped to give you the answers that it is that you really need to hear. So I, re- I just really appreciate and applaud you for that. Thank you. And really, just real quickly with the counseling thing, the good thing about that is that's a place where you can connect the dots in a um, safe place. Everybody, we're, we're human. Nobody's perfect. So we naturally, no matter how much I try to be good at personal development, I have natural blind spots. So by living in a community with my friends, with my wife, with my church members, and specifically with this conversation with, with therapists, I see those blind spots and see you know where I need a little more prayer, a little more tender love and care. And, and going to counseling or suffering mentally, it doesn't mean that you, you're weak. It means that you're human. I remember writing a research paper on, on depression and one of the quotes that sticks out to me is that it says, depression is the common code of life. In other words, we all go through depression at whether, you know, different, different degrees and at different seasons, but it's like the common code of life. So if you're suffering mentally, it doesn't mean nothing wrong with you. It means you're human. So take care of that. So now we're in this situation where COVID is having this prolonged and deep resonating impact in our lives. And it's just causing so many different things, challenges, and connection, like real meaningful connection and having a sense of community and kind of getting these social needs met can be a real challenge. So what are some of your thoughts about that? How can we stay connected digitally as we kind of navigate forward? It takes a lot of intentionality. I know that may be a buzzword. I've said it a few times. but through church. I mean, for those, uh, my church has recently opened up, but for those that's not ready to open up, we still have Zoom life groups. We have Bible study and prayer and the service online. Uh, One thing that I did early on um, in the pandemic, I would utilize Zoom or the FaceTime option or insert whatever video chat, and we would have game nights. We would play Scattergory, and it would be fun. It would be different. Everybody would be on on their honor code. Really, it's, I mean, with Zoom, another thing we did in Zoom. So with 2020, so I turned 31 in on August 31st. And so that's that was like my golden birthday. And so coming into this year, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna throw a Rowan's 20 birthday party and go all out because it's like the last big birthday before 40, 50, and 60. And so COVID kind of changed that. And I was a little down and disappointed, but we had a Zoom birthday party. Amy, it just it filled my bucket. It brought me so much joy. Because of that, I was able to have a quote-unquote virtual party with people from different time zones and different states that I met throughout different seasons of life. And you have people from Carolina, uh, North and South, people from Louisiana, from Mississippi and Tennessee. So I'm like, at what point would I be able to have all those people in one place without causing people like so much time to, to drive? So I'm part of a Facebook group with other college ministers. We pray for each other. We kind of, you know, vent to each other and we, we share resources with one another. And then also as it relates to, to Instagram as well. I would encourage the listener to follow accounts that's good for your mental health and positive. If there's a certain account that every time they post, it kind of triggers something in you, 
unfollow or or mute them. There's a there's a reason that we have those buttons. And even as a pastor, I've had to do that on Facebook where I probably won't unfriend a person because, you know, I'm nice, but I will unfollow them because they post things that are triggering. So kind of a, a small tangent there. You are responsible for boundaries and the peace in your life. And so, yeah, I follow one account that I follow. It's called Before 5 a.m. It is all about like um, personal development and self-help and things of that nature. Then on the mental side, emotional side, um, this person by the name of Kate Nicole, she's a counselor, mental health therapist. It's just post things that are so good. I love when it comes to like the end of, of the month or beginning, beginning of a month, she have like a check-in and I just ask myself those questions. I would even, even encourage you to Google virtual therapy and, you know, of course, do your due diligence, but there's a way that counseling can be done virtually. Because as I alluded to earlier, I used to meet with the guy in person, but now because of COVID, we meet um, through a, it's not Zoom, it's some other video chatting function. And it's, in my opinion, for me, it's just as effective. So I would just encourage you to be intentional, whether it's Zoom or Facebook or Instagram or Googling. And like I say, you're responsible for your mental health. So take care of yourself. There's organizations too that have digital versions of community gatherings where they normally would have met in person and now they're just meeting virtually. And they're all over the U.S. We have some of them posted it or or available up. You can just click on the links available at EmergeThriving.com just to kind of make it easy for people to find them. But they're they're out there. And like you're talking about churches. Those are another example of really powerful connections and community and I love what you said about your birthday. I think that's so brilliant. Just using the tools that we have in the situation that we have, it is unique. And so using it in a unique way so you can create those memorable experiences is, brings joy back into it. How has being connected to community helped you through some tougher challenges? You know, thinking about that, I'm reminded of two of my friends that I met in college. Javari and Nicole, so I've known them for like over a decade, very close friends. And man, through that community, they really helped me with some tough times. Like when I had some some things that triggered a mild depression, I was supposed to graduate in four years, but I graduated in five. So in that moment, that was like the biggest disappointment ever. And now I'm like, degrees don't have the time on it. It just say you, you know, you got your degree. It doesn't say how long it took you. So yeah, so that, and then I had like my first breakup. And I had some friends in the ministry that like our friendship kind of lost those friendships for a reason I still don't know to this day. And all those three things combined, especially the part not graduating, quote unquote, on time, put me like I'm out of pressure. I was down and uh, they were there for me. I remember, yeah, like it was yesterday. It took me to Applebee's, paid for my food. It let me just sit there and vent and share some tears and so vulnerable and open. And they still love me anyhow. So that's why. As you can see, like the theme of this specific episode, you need people in your life, people in your corner that you can count on, that you can depend on, uh, people that loves you and you love them. And man, they they were really there for me. And not just at the bad times, but the good times. They support my podcast. They they share about it. They bought a shirt. They bought an ad. They've been to my, my wedding, uh, my graduation. So I'm blessed and privileged to have people in my corner, specifically those two, Javar and Nicole, through the vicissitudes of life. And so I just want to... Encourage the listener to be intentional and find that. And in this time, as we talked about a few minutes ago, with COVID, it may be a little tougher, but it's worth it. It may take a little bit more effort, but it's worth it. So, yeah, those, those man, those are my, as the young people call it, my A1 day ones. They were really there for me and helped me through those challenges. 
I've had some people like that in my life too. And I wouldn't be here without them. Just having people like that that you can trust can be just huge. Another thing that's been really amazing, I wonder if you've had similar experiences, is having someone who mentors you. I've had, I've been so lucky that there's been different points, not like an abundance of mentors that just kind of came out of the closet at my beck and call, but like there is really, there was somebody there in a time when I really needed it that gave me the listening ear and that really they were coming from a very good place to help guide me get through some major transitions in life. Has mentorship been something that's been a really positive thing for you as you've been connected with people in your community? Absolutely, Amy. Like I know I alluded to having like a, a pastor therapist early, earlier, but there's another pastor that's not a therapist um, that works in my church. He's older than me. He serves as my mentor. And literally a couple of days ago, I had a time with just connecting with him and being honest and transparent and venting, not about my joy at that time, but venting and complaining. And it kind of brought about some perspective. And so I, once again, this goes back, we need people. Uh, we need those relationships. I also have a, a podcast uh, mentor. And this lady here has been podcasting longer than me and put on like the first Christian podcast conference. And yeah, she's been giving me like the, the necessary information that I need and different encouragements when I ask her stuff like, do you take breaks or do you go in seasons or all these different questions? So we need mentors in different areas of our lives. My wife and I, we haven't found a couple yet, but we, I feel like we should find a couple that's been married longer than us that can mentor us. So we need those mentors. So that's a great question. This is also kind of a bedrock of one of the ways that we were connecting right away. This is something you're so passionate about. It came up in our conversation early on. You live a faith-based life and being of service to others is really important to you. Can you share how your, your faith and service has played a part in your journey and in cultivating community? Most definitely. So I currently reside in Texas. But with this question, it takes me back to my days in Mississippi. But through my faith, I have like a built-in family. For those that are Christians, we get like a built-in family with other Christians, and we call it the church, the body of Christ. And that's where I find a community all of my life. I just remember church members at my dad's church back in Vicksburg, Mississippi. That I no longer call them church members. They are like family to me and closer than my blood family. They've helped me move out of my dorm when I was in college. They've bought shirts for the podcast. They've sent out the links to others and really supported me in the past and the present. Once again, they were at my graduations. They was at the wedding. They've been at man, at funerals when you know my grandmother passed away, my uncle would pass away. They would be there for me and for my family. And so faith is huge to me. And I love that built-in family that we have for people of faith, um, people at the church. And parallel to that, serving, man, when I serve, I am so fulfilled. For example, on Thursday nights, we have our young adult Bible study. So a chance to to teach them. Um, a chance to do, it happens almost every Thursday night where one of them was like, hey, I need prayer. I got this going on. Can you help me? And they go to that one-on-one mentoring and that coaching and end up with deep conversations, sometimes so deep. I'm like, all right, you got to set a point because this is too deep for it tonight. And the time of prayer, I'm just so fulfilled. Like, Amy, every time I leave work um, on Thursday nights or even on Sunday mornings after life group in church, I'm just on a emotional and relational Hi, I'm just like, man, that in spite of my imperfections, God still uses me to make an impact on others. So faith and service are vital to me. And consequently, it's great for my mental health, my emotional health. As I see that I'm helping others, 
I mean, because serving, serving others is so powerful because it causes me to think outside of myself and where I can contribute to the greater good and contribute to the well-being of others, which is great for my mental health. So it's like, it's once again, multifaceted, interconnected. So say so yeah, faith and service is so important to me. I think some of those opportunities, serving others and caring for others, it can create such a bond and such an awareness of people that you're growing close to or working with or something that you're coming together to do or those opportunities to really give back. It can create a huge bond and a really strong foundation for your community, the community that you're cultivating, to be there for someone when they need it. It's a spiritual gift. It is that mental health gift. It's a soul recharge oftentimes. It's a connection that you just may not have in other circumstances. It's just, it's a beautiful opportunity. And sometimes with, especially in in the situation that we're in now where we have to social distance and all that, it can be, it's a unique and different time of life to try to figure out how to navigate and find those opportunities. It's a little different. I say most definitely, I agree with that. I saw that most when we just started back meeting in person. Of course, you know, we're social distance, we have our sanitizer and our masks, et cetera. But I think, to be honest, and this, you know, I had to put my ego in check. I don't think they really miss, you know, my preaching or teaching that much or the songs that we sing, although that's part of it. But they miss community. They miss being um, around each other. So I'm seeing them where instead of they're having conversations, they're laughing, they're joking, they're having a good time. So, yes, I mean, relationships and community is so key. So, yeah, great point. You made me think of this. I had to share that. So I guess I just want to open the floor. Is there on this conversation of community and connection and mental health and faith and service and all of the things that we've talked about, is there anything that is kind of coming up for you that you would like to share with your listeners? Anything that feels really important of top of mind or top of heart? And the thing that I would say to the listeners, please don't do life alone. Um, be intentional and invite others to do life with you. I feel like we are better together. There's strength in numbers. And also don't suffer in silence. Don't suffer in isolation, whatever you may be dealing with mentally or emotionally. I want to just encourage you graciously to speak up and to speak out and to get the help that you need. I really feel like there's people waiting to hear your story, which lets them know that there's hope. It lets others know that they are not alone. Take um, responsibility for your health, uh, specifically to this episode, this conversation. Take responsibility for your mental and emotional health. And also, I would encourage you, and it's a phrase that I've seen on social media, it's called like shoot your shot. And when I think of that, it's like doing that thing that, you know, God has been stirring in your heart to do. And we kind of talked about this earlier, but uh, one of the shots that I took was starting the podcast and walking in purpose it's also a form of self-care and being healthy emotionally and mentally. In other words, like when I'm behind the mic and in my studio, in my studio, I mean my closet, when I'm there and I'm producing episodes and I'm recording, I am so fulfilled. Like I walk out of uh, my homemade studio just uh, feeling so good. So whatever that thing that's been like itching that you, you need to do, do that. You feel better for it. So yeah, that's what I would say. I think we all need some Paul in our life. We need some encouragement, <laughs> encouragement and motivation and connection and community. Where can we find you online? Yes, thanks for that. I'm very active on social media. 
And so my Facebook, I don't have a fancy name. I just use my name. It's Paul W. Calcote. And Calcote is C-A-L-C-O-T-E. So that's that's me on Instagram. Connect with me. But for those that, you know, not on social media, I have an email. And it's the name of my podcast. It's called Real People and Real Talk at gmail.com. So I would love to connect with you, be of service in any way that I can. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for a great conversation today, Paul, and for sharing how we can take steps towards creating a stronger sense of community in our lives. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thank you, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.